It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and today we have back on the podcast Kevin Clayson, who, if you remember from a few podcasts ago, he talked to us about flipping the gratitude switch. There's this whole acronym. It's incredible. It's changing lives. He did the F and the L. And today we're going to talk about the I and the P in the acronym FLIP. So Kevin, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming back on. If you wouldn't mind giving the listeners maybe a quick, like, you know, 30 second refresher of what FLIP flipping the gratitude switch is, what the acronym is, and what the F and L stand for. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. It's so good to be back. Carmen, thanks for having me back on. Thanks for coming back on. For those of you also who don't know, because we like talk frequently, like before we record, we talked so long before the podcast last time and this time. So we're like, oh, let's try to keep it to 30 minutes. We'll probably talk to you for another hour today. So yeah, everyone is prepared. Yeah. Yeah. It is we'll just be... Here's the deal, Carmen. The deal is I don't know how to be like brief, okay? Yes. I am like the worst long-winded. And, and here's, well, you know how it is. When you're a yeah. speaker, like you get up and you share a message over 45 or 60 minutes. Like yeah. I don't understand brevity. It doesn't work for no, me. No, uh-uh. Well, and they're <laughs> like, can you just talk for 20? I'm like, I'm not even done with like my opening stories <laughs> at 20 minutes. Like I have a lot of funny things to share and and I like talking and no one listens to me at home. And so this That's is when I get to... Like really talk to an audience that just has to listen. That's so okay. true. So no, we are so excited that you took the time to come back on the podcast. You were so much fun to have this last time. So all right, let's get into the flip. The okay, so switch. for those of you that didn't hear the first episode, you should go back and listen. Go and back for and those listen. Of, for those that did, let me just refresh you. So the Lord asked me to write a book a couple years ago called Flip the Gratitude Switch. The reason why I say the Lord asked me to is it was not on my radar. It was not an intention. I did not know this was coming. And this was like, it was because I was the least thankful person on the planet. And the Lord was like, hey, you should probably be a little bit more thankful. And he sent me through this incredible set of life experiences. And I ended up writing this book. And the book shows us how we can find joy in the middle of life's most difficult circumstances. We all know that that joy is a part of the plan of salvation, right? Men are that they might have joy, but we also know that there must needs be opposition in all things. And so we know that there will be opposition, but there should be joy. So what bridges the gap between the two? And I have come to, in my life, what it feels like to me is gratitude for the frustrations, for the difficulties, is what can craft and create joy in our lives. And so the formula, the flip formula, we use an analogy called flip the gratitude switch. And the analogy, just as a refresher, is this. If you were to walk into a, a room that was completely pitch black and, and you were told you were supposed to navigate from one side of the room to the other side of the room and you have no idea what the layout of the room is and there could be like chairs and tables all over. And if you tried to walk from one side of the room to the other, you'd probably injure yourself, bump a shin, I don't know, step on a tack. Who knows, right? It would be tough. But if with a simple flip of a switch, if you could then illuminate the room with a simple flip, the layout of the room doesn't change, but your ability to navigate it does. Yep. And that's the analogy for life, right? I love it. We will go through things that will be difficult. So can gratitude allow us to flip a switch and give us a better ability to navigate the life that's already here without having to change what's going on? How do we navigate what's already in front of us? And then there's an acronym that goes along with how we do this. And for those of you that, that uh, are hearing it for the first time, awesome. This will be a good refresher for the rest of you. F stands for find the frustration, meaning when something happens that's frustrating, you isolate what that thing is that's frustrating you and you identify the fact that it is frustrating you and what it is that's frustrating you. Then you move to L. L is where you look for what's awesome. And this is just a simple practice of finding a list of something good embedded specifically in that frustration. And that is the beginning of the process that starts to change everything. That is, it's honestly, it seems so simple. Like it seems like that makes total sense. Like who wouldn't want to turn on a light in a dark room? Who wouldn't want to know where the obstacles are? But 
but how do we get into the mindset where it is that easy? Like, what if you're just grumpy about it? Cause I get grumpy a lot and I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to look for the good. Like I'm, I, yes. this actually is just really, really difficult. And I kind of want to sit in the difficult, like, how is this different from letting yourself, there's like this big trend right now with letting yourself feel the negative emotions. Totally. Otherwise they'll get hidden inside your soul. And I don't mean to make yeah. fun of it, but, no. but sometimes I wonder how much of that is, is helpful if we're sitting in those too long. Like at yes. what point is it okay to, okay, yes, feel the sadness, feel the anger, feel the frustration. And now it's time to, to look for the good or let it go. How do you know when the right timing is to do both? Yeah. So, you know, one of the keys to this is this is kind of a, this is a spiritual process that invites the spirit, number one, right? If we look at it religiously and we look at it in terms of what's most important, but this is also a cognitive practice, right? And this is a healthy cognitive practice. And the idea here is we don't dismiss the frustration. We acknowledge it. I, sometimes I say, give the frustration a high five. Like it showed up. It's like, what up frustration? I get that we're going through a thing right now. So let's just high five. Let's hug it out. And then I'm going to go ahead and move past you, right? So it's kind of like we, ha we have a tendency, I think sometimes to create a relationship with negativity, right? Yeah. And, and, and we, we do this thing, Carmen, you know, this is so true. We love as humans to like commiserate with each other, right? Like, have you ever, like, you know how it goes. You're talking to a friend and it's like, oh my goodness, today, and not, I'm not doing an impression of you right now, just so you know. This is, <laughs> this is just. <laughs> this is the overall universal girl voice. Yes. I get it. Uh -huh. I get it. Or, yep. or just complainer voice. Complainer but, um, voice. It's yeah. the Karen, I guess. Okay. <laughs> it's a, it, we'll call it a busy parent voice. Okay. Busy parent. okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my goodness, crazy. you guys. Like, today was so tough. Like, my son, my daughter, like, oh my goodness, my husband, my wife, like, they weren't listening or they didn't do a thing and then the other person in the conversation is like oh you know what if you think that's bad guess what happened to me and we do this thing and we do it at the office too like we go into work right it's like hey how are you doing oh boy sure i'm busy oh you think you're busy let me tell you how busy i am we do it with weather all the time we're like oh my gosh it's so hot but then when it's really cold we're like i just wish it was sunny and then when it's you know and we, we do this thing we get hammered with snow in utah we're like i don't want to have to shovel but then when we don't get snow we're like can we just get some snow exactly so we, do, we do this thing yep. where we're like perpetually dissatisfied yes. with the things that are surrounding us and so this is where i think it, to get back to your question this is kind of the hinge point it's let's realize and understand because the lord told us there must needs be opposition in all things we don't have to dismiss or ignore it it's okay to give it a hug and i think that's the relationship that we need to look for okay. instead of complaining about it and feeling like it's destroying your life and kind of resting in this sort of victimization of saying everything is happening to me this is simply a practice of saying look Things will, I always say this when I'm, uh, especially with youth, I'm like, look, you can't control life. And this is a universal truth. Everybody knows that this is not brand new. You can't control life as, as it comes towards you, but you always retain the ability and control of how you choose to react to life as it shows up. Yep. And I think that that's the key, understanding that it's going to happen, but that you have the ability and the power to choose how you want to react to it. So it doesn't mean dismiss and ignore it. It just means let's take it as it comes and let's choose how we want to react to it instead of, to your point, just marinating in the discomfort and yeah. marinating in the frustration because that creates a negative space that makes it very difficult to grow and find joy. Totally. I love that. That's so true. And at some point you do have to move on from the negative emotion and figure out a way to get out of it because like you said, men are that they might have joy. They're not, men aren't that they maybe miserable like we have to experience both to in order to get to the joyful part and, and the good and the gratitude so okay so tell us about the i okay let me make one i just had a thought as you were saying that so if, if we want to know whether or not this is an eternal practice of being yes. able to understand that things can happen but that we can change how we ultimately decide to feel about them look at forgiveness if you think about forgiveness, right, when we don't forgive, right, that's the equivalent of of drinking poison ourselves and hoping that it kills the other person, right? That there we things will happen to us that we will need to forgive for. And we may feel really bad about that really bad thing that happened to us. But if we don't change 
the acceptance of it and how we are choosing to react to the fact that it happened, we yes. sit in this place that is never healthy for anybody. That is a that is psychology 101. That is gospel 101. This is a real principle. And all we're doing here is saying, how do we take the frustration and how do we then find something awesome embedded in the frustration? And the key here, I can't remember if I said this on the on the last podcast, but it's like this. If we just want, it's easy to be thankful for things when they're going well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. When the kids listen, when the weather's great, when the car works perfectly, when the job is just awesome, when your favorite team is winning, whatever it is, yep. easy to be yep. thankful for those things. Yep. That's the equivalent of going to the gym and doing bicep curls with a one pound weight after a year wondering why your biceps aren't any bigger, right? The hard work is doing the heavy lifting. The heavy lifting is taking something that's frustrating and difficult and then choosing to find something to be thankful about specifically embedded in that frustration and in that difficulty. And so that's what we're doing. Finding the frustration, isolating it, understanding what it is, giving it a hug and a high five, acknowledging it, and then saying, now that I see you, I'm going to do some work on you. And then we go to looking for what's awesome, which is now creating a little list of things that are awesome embedded in the frustration. And yep. just as a refresher, I talked about stubbing my toe. If you stub your toe, you can just be angry that you stub your toe. But if you pause and you go, well, I'm actually, it's pretty cool that I can feel my toe because not everybody can. It's pretty cool that I have a bed that I stubbed my toe on because not everybody does. And then your brain switches this train track. If you remember us talking about that, yep. that our brain chugs along the frustration track. Well, this is the process of slowing the train and starting a new momentum, right? Looking at a different path of things that are awesome and better than the frustration. Yes. Then you move to I, Carmen. And this is I. where we're really going to kind of pick up and finish okay. off the conversation. Perfect. So in the book, I said that I stands for initiating gratitude. And, and for me, what that meant was it's almost like initiating a gratitude sequence for the list of things that were awesome embedded in the frustration. But it's interesting because when the Lord gives us, when the Lord gives us messages, when we learn things about the gospel or about life, our understanding of those things, it's a baseline understanding. And then we add to it line upon line, precept upon precept. I actually, if I were to ever re-release the book, I would change the word initiate to install. And, 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 oh, I like that. Installing gratitude or install yeah. gratitude. It's, yeah, install either or. And so, and this is the reason why. If you, uh, if you think about, I'm holding my iPhone right now. If you think about your phone, if you want to download, like, let's say a game, right? Like, let's say you want to download Candy Crush. I don't know who still plays Candy Crush. Um, wait a second, I do. Um, yeah. But <laughs> if, if, if you wanted to download a game on your iPhone and, and you're like, oh, that game's supposed to be really cool. You would go to the app store, you would find that app that's the game you want to play, and you would install it onto your device. Now, I want you to think about what happens here. You, It is a practice of making something that previously was not tangible into something that is tangible. You yeah. don't have the ability to play 1 billion levels of Candy Crush on your phone unless you install the app, right? Right. So... When, when you look at the idea that we are, we have hardware and software inside of us, right? The hardware is the body. The software is the understanding of, of how we use the body and how the body interacts with our surroundings. So if we want to, if we want to start to change our physical environment, we have to start to download new software. We install new software. The way right. we install this kind of software, like on our phone, we're going through a practice of making something that is not tangible into something that is tangible. And the question is, if we could do it on a phone, if we could do it on a computer, is there an app store of life? Oh, I and love I'll that. I'll tell you something. I'm like taking notes on my phone as you're speaking. I'm like, oh. okay, keep going. Yep. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You're like playing Candy Crush. I'm, right I'm like secretly playing Candy Crush. I'm all, yeah, Kevin, that sounds great. Uh huh. Dang it. I wouldn't be surprised. That would be basically every conversation I have with my wife. Uh, yeah, she's like, no, I'm no, listening. No, you are not. <laughs> I'm just Burn kidding. That phone. <laughs> we need to have another <laughs> podcast about. Paying attention to your spouse during date night. I know, right? Oh, yeah. I got in trouble so bad one time for like checking about, there was like a basketball game on behind her and I like, like looked up at it and she's like, what did you just do? I'm like, nothing, yes. nothing. It's fine. <laughs> into my eyes. <laughs> so, so what is the app store of life? Well, I am convinced that it is language. 
language is the app store of life. Now, this here's what I mean by this. A bumper, it, a bumper sticker. Yeah. So, Carmen, you and I know this, right? We know that when you have a whole myriad of negative self-talk, yep. negative will, in fact, manifest in your life. Yes. Yes. This well, that's also, very true. This also happens with faith, right? When we... And, and everybody goes through a crisis of faith at some point. Everybody's crisis is different. We shouldn't judge them for, for theirs. We shouldn't judge us for ours. But if you think of where that starts, it starts with questioning. Now, I think it was Thomas Jefferson said that uh, that that God must certainly prefer questioning over just kind of blind obedience, right? That, that if we honest questioning is not a bad practice, but the problem is when we start to doubt the Lord, when we start to doubt the gospel, we start to doubt the things that we've already experienced in That's life. That's the word. That's the that, word. Doubt. It's doubt. And so when we say, I'm not sure, I'm questioning this, I'm questioning that, that's when the crisis of faith starts to happen. It all happens inside of a language process. And we know that words have power, by the way, because there was that Japanese scientist that did that experiment, right? Like, you know, about the water crystal experiment. Yes. And this, for those of you that don't know, look it up. I don't know what the guy's name was. I can't pronounce it probably, uh, but it's super cool. Just look up like the water molecule experiment. And they did a whole series of things with rice and water and and where they would say certain words to water. And then they would they would flash freeze it. And then they would photograph what the, what the molecules or the crystals looked like. And they had different molecular structures or crystal, crystal structures. I don't really like, I'm obviously not a science guy, yes, but, yes. but you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And the thing is that language makes a difference. And, and I'll, sometimes I do this, this uh, little experiment with people. I'm going to just, if, with the listeners, I'm going to just try it real quick. Who knows if it'll work. It usually works in a live audience, but we're going to try it. I want everybody to just kind of close your eyes and clear your head and if you're driving, keep your eyes open, but, um, but close your eyes, clear your head. And I'm going to say three words and I just want you to tell me how they make you feel. Okay. I'm gonna just, do it. Okay. Good. Awesome. Carmen. So just pay attention to what, what the feeling inside. Okay. Here come the words. You ready? Hate. Anger. Disgust. Okay. Open your eyes. Okay, what was the overall, what was the prevailing feeling or emotion as I said those words, Carmen? For me, it's like a stomach drop. It's like mm. it's like a knot in my stomach. And and I actually felt like like my heart rate go up, like like anxious, like, oh like physically disgust and hate and anger and and sick to my stomach and um and and like almost like bristling. Like, I don't like that. Like, stop saying those words. Yeah. Ooh, isn't this interesting that you didn't know what was coming, but through the simplicity of three words, there was a physical, a physiog physiological response. There was a mental and emotional and a physical response that took place from just words. And you didn't know what those words were going to be. Okay. We're going to yep. try it again. Okay. Okay. Clear your head, close your eyes, deep breath. Everybody listening, clear your head, close eyes, deep breath. Okay, here they come. Three more words. Love. Thankful. Jesus Christ. Okay, now open your eyes and tell me what you felt. And truly, honestly, because the thoughts evoke images, I thought of my family and my body just kind of relaxed. Like I physically went, like took a deep breath inside, especially when you said Jesus Christ. Felt peaceful, calm, happy, and still. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's words. It's words. It's words. It's words. But there is meaning and energy and spirit that is attached to words. If you think about the power of words, we all know that words are powerful, right? We know that, but God has made it very clear. So for me, the spirit honestly testifies and I receive revelation through language. I get feelings, but I see words that works for me. And, and if you think about, look at how the savior connected with his heavenly father through prayer and language 
There's words and language that are a part of this mortal and eternal experience. There's a chance that when we get from this life to the next, maybe words are nothing more than a mortal instrument. Maybe it's it's something that we need while we're here. I don't know. But I know that they are profound and important right now. And if you think about it, scriptures, words, prayer, yeah. words, words of the prophet, and, and words of the prophets. These are all, it's language and it's words. We think about the water molecule experiment. We saw the impact that language had. We did our little science experiment. Look at the impact that language had. So if words are truly this powerful, they are the app store of life. We get to order up from our father in heaven and from some would call it the universe. I would also tap into the spiritual aspect of, of who we are. We get to use words. When we say, I love you, it's not just it's not just because it's an emotion, but the words trigger physiological responses and words yep. actually will create neurotransmitters that are released, right? And, and it makes yep. us feel oxytocin or we get hits of dopamine. We get these things that feel amazing. So my friends, words make a real difference. Carmen, before we got on, you and I were just talking about some of the things that we've had struggles with in our life. And and I used to have really bad acne when I was in high school. And like, I remember one time this guy, he was so mean, he called me pimple beard and it made me feel really bad. And um, I used to legit, like I would look at myself in the mirror and I would tell myself how unattractive I was and how like ugly I was. And guess what? Boy, did it manifest, right? I, oh no. yeah. I get that 100%. Yes. And, and by the way, thinking about your history, I don't know the, the kind of things that you must have had to battle with and go through when you were on American Idol and the kinds of internal talk and the kinds of things that you would be telling yourself in, in a competition of that level. I can't even imagine what you had to go through, but I know that you know that the struggle is real, oh, right? Yeah. I physically <laughs> saying differently. I've never, I've never... I, I've I've often said like I want to go back and do American Idol again and seeing how I know because my voice got me to American Idol, it got me there and then once I was on the show and because it was you're awesome we love you we want you we want you we want you, then once I was on the show and it was like you suck we hate you you're bad, my voice physically changed. It physically changed. I, I've never sung like that before. I've never sung like that since. It was so shaky. It was me, but not at all. And, and I have since, like, I do really big, giant events now, like um, singing my kids to sleep at night. And we do, like, private concerts for them in their <laughs> bedrooms. Like, major, major deals. But, no, like, when I do – firesides to the youth or laughing all all the way events with our turtle house people will come up to me and they'll be like you have a beautiful voice and they'll say it sometimes as a surprise like you you sound good <laughs> and it's so sweet but it's because I stopped I stopped listening to the negative voice and started believing that I started believing in myself again and and telling myself I am always on pitch because that's something that Randy would always say. You're so pitchy. You're so pitchy. I'm always on pitch. I I I can hit any note. I I would ha I had to retrain my brain to think. Nope, nope. I'm and that was something that was said to me so often by my sister when I was growing up, by my voice teacher. You're a little under the pitch. You're a little under the pitch. You're a little just barely. And because of my my nose and my face structure and whatever, I sometimes sound like I'm barely under when I was growing up. And I worked on that so hard and I would literally, I'm not kidding, Kevin, lay in bed at night and think, I have perfect pitch. I have perfect pitch. I have perfect pitch. And one time after I was playing with my band, this was after American Idol. This was, this was years later, we had a performance and one of the girls, she said, I love, she was my bass player and, and her and my piano player. They said, we love playing with you because you are always completely on pitch. You have perfect pitch. So it's so fun to be your background singer. Cause I know you're always going to nail your notes. And I was like, are you serious? And she's like, yes. And I said, I have never been told that before. And she said, are you kidding me? She said, I have never heard you miss one note in the years that we performed together on your album live. She said, you've never, which was completely the opposite. But because I really honestly, truly believe, oh, I manifested that because I thought it, I thought it, I thought it, I said it. I perfect pitch. I perfect pitch. I perfect pitch. And now I'm a voice teacher. 
and my students would be like, oh, you have perfect pitch. How do you get perfect pitch? And I'm like, you tell yourself, you work on it, you work and work and work and the words manifest the work and they get you to do that point. I went to the piano, I played it, played it over and over. I practiced my songs a million times and it scales every day. But I, but I said it and I thought it and I true, I have like a true honest to goodness testimony of what you're saying right now. I, I love that so much. But the real question is, did you ever, did you ever get a, your little pitchy dog? Did you get a dog? Did you get Always. a dog? Okay, good. Always a dog. <laughs> of course. And man, it was oh, dog yeah. or man. Come on, man. Okay, Come good. On. Yeah. Like, Randy, like, at least call me woman, okay? If you're going to say that. That yeah, is I so. I love that, Carmen. Thank you for sharing that. So, guys, listen, if you're listening, this is a real conversation that Carmen and I are having. We've not had this before, but you are hearing in the mouths of two or three witnesses, you are hearing a couple witnesses here that yes. language does matter. So to bring this back to how this is kind of part of flipping the gratitude switch and the formula FLIP, we said that I stands for install gratitude. So here's why this matters. When you find and isolate the frustration and then you acknowledge that that frustration is there, give it a high five, say, let's go to work together. Then you create your list of awesome, which is looking for what's awesome. That list of things that are awesome inside of the frustration. You now begin to use language for all the reasons that we just described. It creates a physiological response. It invites the spirit. It creates and manifests something in a physical reality that almost nothing else really has the ability to do like language. And so now you go through this process and you actually use words and you use words, whether in thought or in practice. And you say, I'm so thankful for the thing that was awesome embedded in the frustration. Right. So if, if we go back to the stuff to, oh, I stubbed my toe. I'm so frustrated. Oh, I can't stand it when I do this. Yes. Like, holy cow, the train's going to go down. The the Everything's going to be terrible day, um, track. Yep. We slow the train. We go, let me look for what's awesome. I have a toe. I have a bed. I have this awesome spouse that's that's sleeping in this bed next to me. Oh, because of her, we got this these awesome kids. Like you start. And now you go, you know what? I'm so thankful I can feel my toe. And I'm so thankful that I have a bed. And I'm so thankful that I have this amazing woman that sleeps beside me. And I'm so thankful for these kids. You just go through this process. But by using that language, I know it seems cheesy to say you're thankful for something, but this is different than gratitude journaling. This is not just writing about things that are already awesome. This is finding a way to physically and really truly be thankful for a thing that's awesome, embedded specifically in the frustration. Now you're lifting 50s. You're not lifting one pound weights in your bicep curls. Yeah. And what, yep. what's crazy, Carmen, when we do that, you automatically trigger the fourth step of the process, which is P. You, you, it, it happens automatically. P, we call powering up with grata fuel. So grata fuel is just, it's gratitude fuel, right? And, and it powers us because here's the thing that happens. We go through and we say we're thankful for the thing that is awesome embedded in the frustration. And our body will, in fact, release dopamine. It really, and, and that's the reward neurotransmitter. So when you give a high five, when you get a high five on American Idol, when you got praise, when you go and you, you, uh, you do it, you know, laughing all the way and somebody comes up and they say, oh my gosh, Carmen, that was incredible. And that you get that feeling like that was amazing. That's dopamine, right? Yeah. We get, we get these hits of dopamine. We also get these hits of oxytocin where somebody says that to us and we're like, can I hug you? Cause I love you. Thank you for saying that. Yes. And, yes. Right. And it, it's, you know to, it, it's totally true. We do. We're like, I'm connected to you now. Yeah. yeah that, yes. And so our bodies literally physically change when, and that for me is gratitude. It's gratitude fuel. And here's why I call it that. Because remember this whole process of flipping the gratitude switch is something we can use in the middle of small, seemingly insignificant frustrations. But when we do it, here's the deal. I stub my toe. I find the frustration. I look for what's awesome. I say that I'm thankful for the thing that's awesome inside of the frustration by installing gratitude. I get those feelings. And what that does is it just powers me through that moment and until the next little frustration happens. And then when it does, I just start all over. It's wash, rinse, and repeat. And what's so cool, this is something I didn't know when I wrote the book until I started to do the research. There is tons of research on this. When you 
physically enact gratitude, when you really do what we're talking about, especially inside of frustrations, not only does your body change and you feel different, it creates new neural pathways. Oh, this wow. is this is a real science. thing. It is it's science. Perfect. And you know what else it is? When I always think that science and Heavenly Father are inextricably you know, together, and I'm not even sure if I properly use the word inextricably, but it sounded good. I also grew up with a speech impediment, so I'm surprised I could kind of say that word twice. That was a good word. That was, I, I'm proud of you for saying that word. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate Explicably. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever word it is, it's a great one. And you um, used think, it correctly. And, and if I could have just rolled through and maybe somebody out there would have thought I was smart. Now after this conversation, like, yeah, you're not. And that's okay. <laughs> not we sure all get at it. all. <laughs> so here's the thing. Science and Heavenly Father are completely one in the same when we look at it in this way. Heavenly Father has hardwired us to be able to feel awesome when we execute and utilize and activate. Because what we're, we're talking about here, guys, is we're talking about the process of making gratitude a verb, not just yeah. that touchy, feeling emotional, like, yay. And this yeah. is like a, re this is a verb, okay? It's yep. a physical thing we're doing. When we do it, our body tells us it's awesome. And then our brains start to change. We begin to forge new neural pathways. Now, here's what this means. If you do this enough, you literally, now wait for it. This is a true principle. This is something that is real. You may not know that this is a real thing, my friends out there. You can become predisposed to joy. I'm going to say that again. Oh, I love that. You can create a reality where you are predisposed to joy. I love that. Because Carmen, when you go through and you flip the gratitude switch with these little seemingly insignificant frustrations, it starts to change who you are. It changes your brain. And this is the analogy that I think of. And I can't remember if I shared this before, but we'll share it again just in case we did it. Have you ever gone to a 3D movie and 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 taken the glasses off during the 3D movie? Oh, yeah, because you have to see what it looks like without. Yeah, you're like, I want to see how blurry it is. Yeah. Well, imagine if you went to a movie, like one of these major blockbusters, right? Like, I don't know what's a big movie that's out right now. Like, I Quiet don't know, Place 2. What's that? Quiet Place oh, 2. Which we just saw. And blah, 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 blah. Um, but, you know, if you went to like one of these Fast and the Furious or these Marvel movies or whatever, Quiet Place, any of these movies, these big blockbusters, and yeah. you went to go watch it in 3D and you took those 3D glasses off and you watched the whole movie without glasses. Listen, at the end of it, you're still going to know the story. You're still going to know when like the funny parts were. You're still going right. to know what the action sequences were. You're going right. to know all of that, right? Yes, right. But when you put on the glasses, the movie does not change, but your ability to see it and perceive it does change. The yes. glasses simply shift your perception of the same movie. Yes. Now, Flipping the gratitude switch does the same thing. It allows us to shift from uh, some lenses of limitation, which is what we, a lot of us look through the, look at the world through lenses of limitation, what's right. not possible, what's difficult, what's frustrating. We put on a pair of gratitude glasses and now all of a sudden the movie of our life is in theaters right now. This is just a new way to be able to view it so that we can view it through a different set of lenses and therefore we have a different experience. See, the yeah. movie's the same, but those glasses are on. It was cooler. It was more fun. You you come out like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. You watch right. it without glasses. You're like, yeah, you're no, that was good. In it. Yeah. Now here's what this new neural pathway thing does. It's like LASIK for the soul. Because when you do this enough, it rewires your brain so that you don't have to go through the process of putting on glasses anymore. It becomes you. This, I love that. You literally become someone new. Now, to just remind everybody, Doctrine and Covenants 7819, my favorite scripture. I don't have it in front of me, so hopefully I won't misquote it. And he who receives all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious. Now look, receive all things with thankfulness, not just the good stuff. When we do that, we shall be made glorious. We become someone new. It's right there in the Doctrine of Covenants. And by the way, yeah. the end of that, but the end of that scripture, Carmen says, and then doesn't say then, but and the things of this world shall be added unto him and hundredfold, yea, more. Tell me the scripture one more time. DNC 7819. 
78:19. And he who receives all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious, and the things of this world shall be added unto him an hundredfold, yea, more. And I just want to leave you with one thought because as I've been thinking about this, Carmen, I love that scripture. That scripture tells us all the things need to be received with thankfulness, which helps me bridge the gap between men are that they might have joy and there must needs be opposition in all things. So yes. we got it. And then when I read that scripture and I go, we become someone new, we rewire our brain. We literally become predisposed to joy. And I know we don't have time for stories, but let me just say this. There was a time after I published the book that I thought it was going to be a smashing success and it wasn't. It's been successful for now five or six years, but it wasn't like overnight New York Times bestseller success. And, and my wife and I gambled it all on this book. I found myself within months of publishing that book needing a food order from the Relief Society president or from the from the ward in foreclosure, losing my car to repo because we gambled it all. We'd sold all our real estate, everything. We put it all into this book. And I, every, I had to leave my job, this company that we built, I'd left it to do this book. And I had to go within months of publishing the book after working on it for two years and, and kind of going through all of our savings to get it out into the world. I found myself two months after the book got published, having to go get a part-time job at the container store in Salt Lake City for $13 an hour. And I can't tell you, every time I'd walk out of my car and walk towards that store, I was filled with the op with gratitude for the simple idea that I was going to put food on the table. I didn't need another food order. At night when I have to clean the bathrooms, I didn't want the the, the mirror to, to just look good. I wanted it to sparkle. This We had stainless steel dividers between the toilets. I would polish those puppies because for me, it was me telling Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity right now. It transformed me in such a way that during the most difficult trials of my life, I was filled with joy and possibility, which led to me coming back to my company. The last five years have been the biggest in company history. The book sells every month without fail and has for the last six years. I speak more now than I ever did before. And that's not my main profession. We own this company, but I, there is more good in my life today. And I didn't know when it happened, Carmen, I didn't know that the Lord needed to teach me the principles so that I was the, I was no longer the least thankful person on the planet, but that he was, once I learned the principles to put the book out, then he said, okay, now I'm going to test you. Let's see if you believe it. And I put it to practice in a way that I am so thankful for. It's not to my credit. It's his credit. He's the one that gave it to me. I just believed him and it changed and transformed me. Now, this is the last thought I want to leave with you. Because in that scripture, DNC 7819, we know that we receive all things with thankfulness, will be made glorious. We become someone new. But then it says the things of this world shall be added unto us and hundredfold, yea, more. And that makes me think of the scripture in Malachi that the Lord says, Test me herewith if I will not open the windows of heaven. It's talking about tithing. But do you know what the other blessing is that comes with tithing? Is we get to hear that the, that the devourer will be rebuked. Now, here's the connection I want to draw for you guys. What if, and I could tell you, I have testimony that the devourer will be rebuked for our sakes if we utilize gratitude in this way. It can't he can't devour our happiness. He can't devour our joy. Lucifer loses power and the ability to devour our joy and our happiness and our potential and our faith when we utilize gratitude in this way for all the reasons that we've described. So I want to leave everybody with this thought, Carmen. What if gratitude for everything that comes our way is the tithing we pay on the life that we get to live? Mm, what a beautiful thought. Because if it is, then the truthfulness of the promise that comes in the blessing of tithing, that the, the devourer will be rebuked and that the windows of heaven shall be opened unto us. I have a testimony that both things are true. And so I truly have come to believe that gratitude for all of it, the good and the bad and the ugly, is just tithing on the life that we've got. And the Lord rebukes the devourer for our sakes and blesses us in ways that we cannot possibly imagine 
for utilizing something and flip the gratitude switch is just a simple, easy way to remember how to do it in the middle of life's frustrations with a little portable formula that hopefully you could take with you and utilize so that everything can be shifted for you. So it can shift the entire trajectory of your eternal life. I have a testimony that that's true. And Carmen, I'll conclude by just saying that, you know, gratitude, I have this quote on my wall right up here. It's from President Monson. And here's what it says. To express gratitude is gracious and honorable. So notice expression is part of it. But he goes on. To enact gratitude is generous and noble. But now here's the key. This is the last part of the quote from President Monson. But to live with gratitude ever in our hearts is to touch heaven. Oh, that's beautiful. That's that's from President Monson. President Monson. That is a beautiful quote. Kevin, I think this message is so important and necessary and needful now and and always, but especially, especially now, because it is hard to be grateful for wearing masks. And for, we're not doing so much of that anymore, but for, we're now getting sick because we're not wearing masks because our immune systems are kicking back up again. And so now we're learning how to, my sweet little sister right now is in the throes of sickness. They've had something circling her house for a month. And she's like, I am so miserable. And it would be hard to say, but I'm so grateful. Our immune systems are working and they're fighting it off. And I'm so grateful that that we no longer have to wear masks for my little three-year-old boy when, when he goes to preschool. Okay. And I'm so grateful that we're together and that, and that we have a strong family and there truly is something to be grateful for in every situation. And some are, some are truly horrific and truly terrible. And, and I know that some people may be thinking, well, what if I'm in a, an abusive relationship or what if I'm in, you know, a situation that is that is truly terrible or or my child was kidnapped i mean in those types of situations uh, the what can someone be grateful for in the extremes because it's easy it's, yes you stub your toe and i know that you, and you lost your job and that that story i don't know i i think i would be bitter for a while i would i would i would marinate in the bitterness but but you have physically put this to the test and I, and I know that you've lived this. And so you can speak for this from experience, but, but just, and I just one thought to people that are like, or what about that? I just lost my spouse or my daughter to cancer. Then what? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, a couple thoughts, obviously what I went through, uh, it, it, job money family wise was, was tough. I'm also divorced. Um, I got, I got, the, I was married for three and a half years at BYU and uh, my ex-wife decided to fall in love with somebody else and leave me out of the blue. And I was filled with anger and venom. And long before I learned how to flip the gratitude switch, the Lord blessed me one evening where I was, I found out some information and I was very angry. And uh, I felt like I just wanted to, to take everything that, that was still in our apartment. She'd moved out, but she had some stuff there. I just wanted, felt like I wanted to make a big bonfire and dance around yeah. it. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, I realized in my brain, I was walking my dogs at the time and it was like heavenly father. It's the only thing that I've ever experienced where it was a bit like a vision, I guess. And there was like two clear paths that opened up in my mind. One was if I gave into the anger and the, and, and all of the, the frustration I was experiencing, who would I become? versus what if I did the harder thing and I simply chose to be thankful for the time we'd had together, the good times, because there were plenty. We just weren't in them right now. But if I could be thankful for the times that were good, and if I could just choose to love unconditionally and serve, those are the hard things. But I saw who I would become if I would do that. And I think that because I made the choice that night to do the hard thing, to be thankful for the good and the time that we'd had instead of focusing on where I was in that moment. Cause see, I was still finding gratitude in the middle of the tough thing. The tough thing was I was in the middle of divorce. The yeah. gratitude I was finding was the fact that I had had this time with her that had been good at times. 
And it changed me and changed my course. And I think it made me into the kind of person that my amazing wife of 14 years was maybe kind of attracted to. I certainly wasn't my physical appearance, but maybe I was enough of a person that she thought maybe I could be around this guy. And so I've experienced it through divorce and through infidelity. I've experienced it with job loss and foreclosure and car repos and and losing really your ability to put food on the table for your family. Yep. I have not experienced it with a child being taken from me or with cancer. But I I uh, I will say this: since I've discovered these principles, I don't feel loss of loved ones. I've I've lost people. N- none of my immediate family. I don't feel loss as much as I feel gratitude. Gratitude for the time that I had. Gratitude for the good days and the memories. And see, it comes back to the fact that if we do lose someone in that way, we can't change the fact that they're now lost. Right. But what do we have control over? We can control what had just, what the, the we can control the, the way that we feel about the time that we had had with yep. them. Yes. I'm glad that you said that because I think you are spot on that you can't you can't control what's going to happen in life and there are going to be small tragedies and large tragedies and and who are we to judge what other people's tragedies if they're big or small my sweet friend who did just lose her daughter to cancer a few weeks ago and she's going to be on the podcast her name's Lindsay Lindsay Preston and she lost her sweet 4-year-old daughter and she said I actually still feel so grateful for her life and the life that she lived. And she's choosing to continue on her legacy through some fundraisers and, and, and beautiful organizations that she's made in, in Harper's name, her daughter that passed away. But she said, it, I, I, I still grieve her. It's still really hard. But I had to choose exactly what you just said to not become bitter because – I, I, I could be so easily, even now. It's only been barely, I think barely, barely, I don't know how long, not even a year yet. And she said, I can still, I can still fall into that bitterness. And Heavenly Father's not fair. Why would he take this innocent child? This is my daughter. Why would he w- want her to suffer through this? She said, or I can trust him, be grateful for the time I had with her, be grateful for her life, be grateful for my family and for the love and support I have. And she's like, it honestly does change your complete outlook on life. And so I hope when people listen to this podcast, they can take these principles of flipping the gratitude switch and really know that it can be a lifestyle change. It doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen or that it'll be easy. Like, oh yeah, someone passed. I got, I can do that. It's just a way. It's like lowering the ladder into the pit. It's I don't want to stay here. You got dropped in. You didn't maybe you, maybe you fell in. You didn't choose to be in this pit with whatever it is, depression, children going astray. But the gratitude is the ladder that allows you to climb out. The pit's still there. It's still hard, but you can, there's a way out of it. You don't have to think, and now I will be sad forever. And I think sometimes that's the, the sphere is that this will never go away. These sad feelings, these awful feelings, the scariness, the uncertainty of the world will never go away. And that's not true because as you beautifully expressed today, Jesus Christ is, is our perfect brightness of hope and he's the way and he is the light. And, and when we show gratitude and we're grateful, Oh, I, I, I can picture, I love that you related that scripture in Malachi about the blessings just pouring from heaven. And, and I truly believe that we have help from both sides of the veil when we choose to invite the positivity and the, and the goodness and the happiness into our lives to help us get through all of this. So thank you so much, Kevin, for sharing this important message with us today. For those of you who are interested in what is this book, where can I go to learn more? Tell us the title of your book, where people can go to buy it and what events and things you have coming up that they can maybe listen to you speak and what your podcast is. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you so much. So, you know, if you want, I I love to just give the book away. It's not my main source of income. I'm thankful when people buy it on Amazon or Audible, it's available there. It's called Flip the Gratitude Switch. But if you go to a website, freegratifuel.com, I can better make sure that that's it. I'm pretty sure that's it. Freegratifuel.com. I just put the audio book there and a digital copy of the book so that anybody who wants it can just go check it out. 
And and look, if you want to get it on Amazon because you know you want you know you want to you want a physical copy, cool. That's super awesome. You could totally do that. If you want to go on Audible because it's easier to listen on Audible, it's totally there with the credit. Uh, awesome. We get a lot of people that still get it there, but freegratifuel.com gives it away for free. Um, our podcast, you guys don't have to worry about that. It's for my real estate company. It's called Replace Your Income, but uh, don't don't feel like you have to, you know, unless you're into the idea of, of real estate and income replacement, but um, that's just, uh, and then the other thing is I uh, have been fortunate enough to be a frequent guest here on our Turtle House on the Sunday Firesides. And uh, there's another company that has me on often for live events and firesides. But uh, you can also just go to kevinclayson.com and okay. uh, and connect with me there. And if I can serve any of you in any way, hey, I am here to do just that. And Carmen, let me just say, I didn't know you before we've done these couple podcasts. I knew who you were. I didn't know, I knew of you, I should say. Now I feel like I know who you are. And, and uh, you are truly an ambassador of light. Uh -huh. And I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for your influence in my life. I'm thankful for your perspective. I'm thankful for the way you view the world and family and gospel and some of the things that we've talked about offline. Um, you are truly a star in more ways than one. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity I've had to connect with you, to be on your podcast. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for having me on. And everybody listening, thank you for, for putting up with me for the time that you have. Um, it's such a pleasure, such an honor. And uh, you're just amazing. Thank you so much, Carmen. Kevin, thank you so much. Right back at you. I am so grateful to get to know you. I'm so grateful to have been able to talk with you and call you a friend now. I completely agree want to just reciprocate your feelings of being an ambassador for good and and for light. I think you are doing the exact same thing. I love this beautiful principle. I think it is underutilized. I think it is so important. And if this is the one thing we can get right, I think it can change our perspectives on so many other things in life if we can learn to be grateful and learn to express gratitude to others and Heavenly Father. So you are so kind. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me, for sharing your message of light and goodness, and for all the good you are doing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.